0: I didn't know Becky's story uh, before Uh, we had a home meeting, and she shared that, at least that part of it. I've known her very well nine-plus years I've been here, but didn't know that. And the church, at its best, is about people. It's about life change. It's about turning a life around or getting a life back on track. And that's why we're here. We, this past week, saw evidence of that uh, from young to not so young, in the last uh, services on last Sunday, we had Gail and Barbara Ross join us by transfer, we had Kaylin Evans come forward, uh, daughter of one of our deacons, our elders, Dave Evans, she was baptized the week before, and then this week we baptized Wade Moore, who was going at Pathways to rehab, Uh, and so uh, those stories, Becky's story, Scott's story, uh, they kind of help us turn our attention to what I really want to talk about today. There was a college philosophy class, and one day the class came in, and and on the table, very prominently, was an empty mayonnaise jar. Now, not just a small mayonnaise jar. You know, one of those Sam's Club mayonnaise jars? You know, those kind where you think, how in the world could anybody ever eat that much mayonnaise? institutional size mayonnaise jars. And, and the professor said... Uh, I want to show you today a life lesson, and the class was intrigued. They usually were interested by his lessons. He got out from under the table a carton of golf balls, and he filled in the golf balls into the mayonnaise jar almost up to the top. And he said, "Is this full now?" And they said, "Yes, yes, it is." And he said, "Well, let me show you something else." And he pulled out some pebbles, and he emptied the pebbles into the jar and. They filled in the spaces between the golf balls all the way up to the top, and he said, "Is this jar filled now?" And they said, "Yes, it is filled now." He pulled out a container of sand and poured it in, and those smaller grains of sand filled in around the pebbles and around the golf balls all the way up to the top, and he said, "Is this full now?" and they didn't they, they were not sure what to say. some of them said, "Yes, some of them uh, You know how you do, when after you've been wrong a few times, you just don't commit, right? You're just going to sit on the fence. And then he pulled out two glasses of grape juice and poured them in all the way up to the top. That is a great illustration, I think, of life. Because if you fill your life with pebbles first, if you fill your life with sand first, You're not going to have room in your jar for the big stuff. In my mind, those golf balls, they illustrate life, the most important things in life. Faith, family, service, health. You know, if you don't take care of those things, If you spend your life on things that really don't matter, if you you chase after the smaller things and and they are the first thing in your life, then you're not going to have room in your life for the things that really matter. And that's exactly what our passage talks about today. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21, I think it teaches us how to live wisely. Living wisely is making sure the big stuff gets in your life making sure the big stuff is the foundation of your life making sure the big stuff is prominent and you spend most of your time and most of your energy on the big stuff so let's look at it together I think three things this scripture tells us about living wisely the first is make the most of your time make the most of your time this can be depressing if you don't watch it uh, as he starts out. Uh, he basically says, your time is short. Verse 15, your time is short. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful. In other words, you, you need to understand that, that this can easily go off track. This can easily get astray. Your, your time is short. James puts it a different way. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. It is this life that we have, the same uh, amount of time in terms of every day, every week. Uh, the only difference is the choices that we make and how we spend that time. Maybe today you've already thought, I have wasted my time to this point. Listen, you cannot change yesterday, but it is vital for you to understand that today is precious. Today is one day that can change the rest of your life. Your time is short, your time is precious. That's what it tells us. Verse 16, make the most making the most of every opportunity uh, because the days are evil. Now, in Greek there are three different words that refer to time. There's the word aura, hora H O R A which we get the English word hour from. There's the word chronos which we get chronological, kind of refers to the counting of time. And then there's a word keros. A Kairos refers to a, a special event. It refers to an opportunity. And that is the word that's used here. Make the most of your opportunities. Look for those doors that open. Look at your life as a series of opportunities. You see, we have this phrase you can't see the forest for the trees you ever heard that that means you're too focused on the short term you're you're too focused on what's going on in your life right now that you don't see the bigger picture the scripture says that god in romans 8 28 god works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose what that says is god's in charge of the forest god if you will love him And you will seek him, if you will give your time to him, then he's going to help all those trees come together into a cohesive picture. He's going to help you to seize each opportunity, building a life that matters, a life that counts, life that truly emphasizes the things that are most important, most precious, most valuable, a life that impacts and influences others. (laughs) God can bring all that stuff together he can bring it in context to fit all together and that's exactly what we want to do to use every day as a precious gift to make the most of every day as the latin phrase goes carpe diem we want to seize the day we want to see each day for the opportunities it brings not the excuses that we can fashion about wasting or even more selfishly using and loafing through that day. Every season of life is an opportunity or it's an excuse depending on what a person is looking for. Think about that a moment. Every season of life is an opportunity or an excuse depending on what a person is looking for. You usually find what you're looking for. A teenager can say, I'm too young, there's too much peer pressure, I can't serve God. While another teen could say, all my friends are wondering what life is about. They want a cause, they want something worth living for. What an opportunity to tell them about God's plan for their lives. Opportunity or excuse. A single person says, I'm so lonely, I want to serve God, I would really serve Him if He would just give me a husband. Or wife i just can't wait till god answers my prayer another single person says how can i help with the church i've got some time available and i'd love to serve the lord with you opportunity or excuse the unmarried couple says our kids are too demanding i'm lucky if i can just get to church let alone serve another family says can our family put on a skit in children's church it could be something if we could, we could do together and our kids would learn ministry in the process. Opportunity or excuse. The middle-aged person says, you have no idea how much responsibility is on me. Family expectations, work expectations, I have nothing left to give. Another person the same age says, I'm at the peak of my strength. If I order my priorities right, I can make a real difference. Opportunity. Or excuse. The retired couple says, I'm tired. Let the younger generation do it. I've served my time. Another couple in the same life season says, we have our retirement income. We don't need money. We have time. What can we do for the kingdom of God in our golden years? Opportunity or excuse? Your time is short. Your time is precious. But you do have control of your time. Make the most of your time is the first way to live wisely. It is the way to make sure all the golf balls fit into the jar. Secondly, to seek the Lord's will. That's the second thing he says, and they go together, don't they? If we're going to make the most of our time, then we're going to seek the Lord's will. We're going to let God direct our paths. We're going to let God show us the way. How do we understand, how do we know what God's will is? How do we figure that out? Because after all, we can't actually see the will of God. Nobody calls us with our directions for the day. The will of God says to do this. So how does that work? How does God work that in us? God tells us in his word for every Christian, he implants in you as you're baptized The gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit. How do you seek? How do you figure out what the will? How do you understand what his will is? First, his will is consistent with his character. His will is never going to be out of line with the characteristics we know of God. God is good. God is honest. God is love. All of those things are consistent with his will. God is going to seek to make us consistent with his character. He's going to form us in his character. Verse 17 says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That word in Greek that we translate understand, it actually means to pull all of the different pieces of information together into a picture. It's kind of like putting a mosaic together in art. You bring all these different, disparate uh, pictures, scenes, and put them together to make an overarching uh, vision, an overarching uh, approach. And that's what we want to understand. And as we understand we're putting all the events of our lives together, we're allowing God to show us that. How do we understand His will is consistent with His character? His will is consistent with His priorities. You know, we talk about our church here is being about people and not about a building. And that is exactly right. It is about the life change that happens as we encounter Jesus Christ. I was able to go to the Leadership Summit this week uh, for a bit, and a speaker there talked about how in our lives we need to figure out what our white-hot why is. I love that phrase, our white-hot why. That is, why are you here Why do you do what you do? What is your passion? And I'm telling you, I figured out some time ago, for me, my white hot why was to see the Lord change a person's life from being all about me to being all about him and all about his kingdom. Because that's the best and most satisfying way to live. That's what the scripture says. (coughs) In Romans, it tells us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. That is His will for our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That is, that you should live a holy way. You should live seeking the best as God defines best. 1 Thessalonians 5:18 says, Give thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you. We want to understand what God's will is for our specific lives, we need to understand what the Scripture teaches us about His character and His priorities. If it is God's priority to be thankful, if it isn't God's priority to live cleanly, if it is in God's priority to love sacrificially others, then so it should be ours. Right on the fence, I can easily look back at my life and see I could have gone a different way because my wife and because her mother loved the Lord, they cared enough about me to follow the Lord's will in reaching me. So it can be in each of our lives. Every one of you have the potential to have a great impact for the kingdom if we allow God to do our time management, if we allow God's spirit to lead us every day. I've told you before, I'm sure I will tell you many times, I begin every day saying, Lord, let me get out of the way. Let your spirit lead me to the conversations. Let your spirit lead me to the encounters, the relationship building that I need to do today. And my my advice would be the same to you. Allow God's Spirit to lead you every day and understand His will will always be consistent with His character. His will will always be consistent with His priorities. A third way to live wisely is to be Spirit-led. That makes sense, doesn't it? I've been talking about the Spirit. He's been talking about the Spirit. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand and let the Spirit lead you. But He says it directly. In verses eighteen, uh, verse 18, and then he fills it out. He shows us what the spirit-led life looks like. Now, <clears throat> the first thing he says to us is be spirit-led in your conversations and your songs. In the way that you talk to one another, in the way that you sing. The, the music in your heart, the music that your life lives out. Verses 18 and 19, do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, Becky, if you will, go back to that first slide. The key to this passage, not, not just this verse, the key to this passage is that phrase, in that sentence, instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, I hope this doesn't bore you. I know sometimes people get bored by word studies. But, you know, my daughter this week said, thank you, Dad, for all the years of of teaching me word studies. So she said thanks for that, so I'm going to give it to you. But here, it is vital to understand how this verb is constructed. In Greek, there is very much... Uh, very specific structures that the words are written in. And (laughs) get ready for this. This verb is written in the imperative, plural, present, passive tense. Now, what does that mean? Imperative means it is not a wish. It's not a suggestion. It is a command. And what does he contrast it with? Don't get drunk on wine. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit. That is such insight for today's world. Why is it that lots of people seek to fill their lives with getting drunk on wine or drugs or something else? Because a life that's lived for self ultimately runs out of meaning. It's kind of boring after a while if it's all about me and all about what I want. And so, folks seek to fill that void, that boredom with something else, and they they escape by being drunk. But he says, No, instead, command be filled with the Spirit. Plural means it's for all of us. It's not just for the preachers, this command, instead, be filled with the Spirit. It's not just for the Sunday school teachers or the elders. It is for all of us who follow Christ. Instead, all of you, or Southerners would say, instead, y'all be filled with the Spirit. It's also in the present. That means it's ongoing. <laughs> Sometimes people say, well, yeah, I was filled with the Spirit back then. That, that, that time back there, they, they're living in the past. Or people say, well, one day I'm going to get it all together, and, and then I'll be filled with the Spirit, I'll be led by the Spirit. That's future. Present means now and ongoing. Every day, be filled with the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. And then most importantly, it's in the passive. What's that mean? It means it is impossible, I think, to live a life pleasing to God in your own power, with your own wisdom. Passive means somebody else has to do the action. Somebody else has to do the filling. It means us, and it's hard for us in today's world, in today's world where you be all that you can be and you can do whatever you want to do, it's hard for us to understand as we surrender to God and allow his will to be first, not our will, but his be done, as He lay, we lay before him and he passively, we passively let him actively work inside of us. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit lead your conversation. Let the Spirit make music in your heart. In your conversations and your songs, be filled with the Spirit. In your attitude, be filled with the Spirit. He goes on to say, verse 20, in a thankful attitude. We can be spirit-led, and we need to be. I just read this week, and it's from a secular writer. He talked about the importance of gratitude journaling. Writing, maybe some of you keep a journal, but he specifically said in your journal, there should be a section for gratitude each and every time you write in it. Our temptation is what? It's to think about what we need. It's to think about what we're lacking. Instead, think about the blessings. Think about the good in your life. And that's what it says here, verse 20. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If the Spirit is leading you in life, I think you're going to look for the blessings in life. I think you're going to look for and give thanks for the good things, the good people, those open windows of opportunity that open up you're going to look for those and God's going to bless you with those and like so many things in life it's a virtuous circle I think as you begin to look more for your blessings you see more blessings be spirit-led be spirit-filled and then in submitting to one another as I said that verb is in the passive form and here he makes it clear. Now, verse 21 is a crucial verse in Scripture. It's a crucial verse in understanding the second half of Ephesians. For it, it concludes this section as it naturally divides, but it also points into the next three sections, which we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. Verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, surrender to one another out of reverence for christ the spirit is going to lead us in sacrificial relationships, sacrificial love to others and so as we are married we submit to our wife or to our husband because of the lord in us the spirit leading us we're willing to to bend we're willing to meet in the middle. We're willing to compromise as we work in relationship with our husband or wife. As we, in our families, our parents, or children, we submit to one another. In our workplaces, as we're bosses or employees, we submit to one another. Out of what? Out of reverence for Christ. Taken together, making the most of our time, seeking the Lord's will, being spirit-led, all of those things together will help us ensure that our life is well used, that we put in the big stuff in the jar first and get it there. Tony Evans is a preacher down in Texas. He tells of his persistent fear since he was a young boy of elevators. He could not stand to get in an elevator. Well, one day he had an appointment in a big building The only way he could get there uh, unless he wanted to climb 30 flights of stairs was by elevator. And so he was dressed nicely in a suit. He didn't want to walk 30 flights of stairs in a suit and be all sweaty and yucky when he got up to the top. So he got into the elevator and it was crowded. Well, sure enough, they got up about the 20th floor and it lurched to a stop. And the people first had that uncomfortable silence. By the way, if you ever get on an elevator, I, I encourage you to do, get in the elevator and face to the back. Watch the people around you freak out. Right? It's like an unwritten rule, you're supposed to face the front, right? Well, I mean, maybe you want to do that. Maybe they'll start you know, thinking something's wrong with you and, I don't know, throw you off the elevator or something. But he got stuck. And so there was this uncomfortable silence and then Then some people started to panic. I mean, Tony Evans, well, he was fearful of elevators, but these people were freaking out. Some started beating on the door of the elevator, trying to open it, which is not going to help a lot if that outer door is still closed. Some started screaming at the top of their voice, hoping somebody would hear them. Tony Evans walked over calmly, and opened the little panel, and pulled out the phone, and called, and got help, and the elevator started moving again. I think a lot of our lives, we live moment to moment without being connected to the one who has a plan, who has it all figured out. What God is trying to teach us here is He has given us the resources to live the best life. He has given us His Word, which shows us His character and His priorities, which shows us His good and pleasing and perfect will. He has given us His Holy Spirit. (laughs) Instead of screaming, instead of beating on the doors of the bad events in your life, my suggestion is to call the Creator. To let the Creator get you unstuck. Are you stuck somewhere in life? Are you stuck in your job? Are you stuck in a relationship? Are you stuck in a habit, a temptation that defeats you over and over? Pick up the phone. Call the one who made you and loves you and will help you get free. Father, we think about these things today. Realize perhaps we have wasted some time Perhaps we've been looking every place but you for the answers. I pray this day we will hear your call. We will hear your voice. We will bring our confession. We'll bring our request. We'll bring our thanksgiving. We'll surrender to you Instead of filling our lives with other things, we will be filled with the Spirit. Pray you'd help us to do this each and every day. Make the most of our time. Understand your will. Seek. Be spirit-led. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.